to the history tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. And here's your 30-second summary. Once upon a time, an animated waif with bird friends, a fairy godmother, an enormous vegetable, and amazingly inappropriate footwear married the prince of her dreams. Or did she? Let's talk about Cinderella. Hey, hey, sit down. Put those earbuds back in. It's a lot more complicated than you think. Trust us, trust us on this. For instance, just to show you how complicated it is, there are two origin stories to this. The first is Egyptian, um, back in 500 BC, and it was an oral story. But the most accepted first version is Chinese, uh, the Chinese story of Ye Shen, written down in 850 AD. So let's just place Ye Shen and Cinderella uh, in history. 850 AD was the Tang Dynasty of China. It was considered the Golden Age of China. In Europe, it was considered the Middle uh, medieval Europe, Charlemagne had just died. Gunpowder was invented in China. And our personal favorite legend has it that coffee was discovered as a beverage in Ethiopia about 850 AD. Let's talk about the different two versions. Egyptian version. Long, long ago, back in the days of Pharaoh. Although that's an extensive period of time. So <laughs> uh, let's go back to about 550 B.C., and a little girl is playing by the side of the ocean, and along come some pirates and take her away from her Greek parents. Um, it was the fashion in the day to have, I guess they'd call them barbarian slaves. Anybody that didn't have dark hair and dark eyes was a high-status slave to have in your house. I'm just happy because I light hair. <laughs> So poor Beckett. <laughs> so Rhodopis was stolen from her Greek parents and sold to an Egyptian. Um, this is how the story goes. Instead of three stepsisters, there were three Egyptian servants, not slaves. These were actually extremely low-paid, no-shoe-wearing people. But even they had to have someone to look down upon. And so they looked down upon the Greek slave and, um, you know, basically made her do all the work and skived off because Mr. Boss Man. Master. Master Boss Man. Master. He was not um, very attentive to the way his household was run. And in fact, Rodopis ended up doing all the work. Well, now she was um, a cheerful soul, despite all this, and would dance and sing and things. And he was so enamored with her dancing that he wanted to give her a reward for all her hard work when he finally realized it. And he thought, oh, what what would she need? She... How about some shoes? How about some rose-colored shoes? And that was a pretty big deal. And there are some theories because in Egypt, gold was often mixed with iron and turned it turns the metal pink-ish. Mm -hmm. And so there's a theory that instead of a fabric sandal, which would have been pretty unusual back in the day, that it was actually perhaps a golden sandal right. or golden shoe, right. which would have been pretty high status. Yeah. And um, long-wearing, I would think. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe get a little warm in that bright sunshine, though. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it could be fabric. It could be painted leather. Very common. Now, red was the color that was um, officially restricted to the middle classes. So I guess it would make sense that someone in his household would be allowed to have some kind of red or pink shoe. Mm -hmm. Because gold itself was only reserved for royalty. So who knows? It could go either way, depending. It's a pretty old story. There's no way to verify. Um, now, what is verifiable, however, um, is that a Greek 
slave named Rhodopis actually did marry the pharaoh Amasis in the 500s BC. That is a historical fact. That is a amazing historical fact. Also, <laughs> a historical fact is that while she was a servant, this is the six degrees of historical separation. Okay, cool. Up in here. Did she know Kevin Bacon? She, well, no. She knew Aesop of Aesop's fables. Was that is. A, a slave yeah, in the same house. Right. Is that amazing? What are the chances? The folktale and the mm-hmm. fable. All in one household. Well, yeah. You know. So the story continues. There is no mother or no fairy godmother. What there is, in fact, is the god Horus, who appears as the bird. Now, the bird is going to be a motif that extends to the modern day. The bird helper. And Horus is pictured as a falcon most of the time. You know, her shoe disappears. Mm-hmm. And, and Horus stole them. You know, I think birds steal shiny things anyway. So um, Horus takes it to the pharaoh's house, and the pharaoh is intrigued by the slipper. This whole foot fetish thing just kills me. <laughs> but, so he's intrigued and, you know, sends his people throughout the land to find who the shoe belongs to. Now, that right. shoe is pretty famous because a slave having a shoe right. is already, you know. Someone's going to notice. Famu, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so... The shoe's gone, and of course the other servant girls think that is hilarious, that yeah. her shoe's gone. Well, you had nothing, is, yeah. and then we gave you something, and you lost it. The word gets back as to where she is, and he's struck by her beauty, and um, the reason she was called Rhodopis is that kind of means rosy cheeks, mm-hmm. and unlike her Egyptian sistrin, she was often very sunburnt. Right. It's not a very flattering yeah. name. No, it's not. <laughs> it's like calling people fatty or a well, I know, or something. She, she couldn't help it. She no. was fair-skinned living in the desert. So um, so that's the story of Rhodopis in, in a nutshell there. I am completely intrigued by this story, and I, I, I'm Team Rhodopis. You're Team Rhodopis? I'm Team Rhodopis. Just for conversation's sake, I should probably then be Team Yeshen. She is the stepdaughter of a very manipulative woman with two daughters. And in the Yeshen version, she there's no fairy godmother. She has a magical fish. And she's best friends with this fish. The mean and manipulative stepmother sees that. And so what does she do? She cooks a fish for dinner. That is so not cool. And then, oh, you're enjoying your fish. Oh, Ye Shen, that's your buddy. So Ye Shen saves the bones of the fish. And she squirrels them away. And she makes wishes upon them. There's a festival. She uh, wants to attend it. So she wishes to go. It's a festival where the young people from the town come. And that's where they're going to meet their mates. Yeah. It's kind of like in the Regency era where you'd go to the, you know, the balls or whatever. Right. It's like a marriage market. This is, this is, <laughs> it's a known An marriage market. It's AD meat market. Kind of. <laughs> Uh, so she wants to go to the festival. So she att- wishes upon the bones and attends the festival and is given a golden slipper. Now, she loses the slipper. She keeps the other one. And she uh, the slipper ends up on this island where the, the head of the island says, I need to find the owner of the slipper. And he searches and searches and searches and finally finds Yeshen in this village. And she sees that the soldiers are looking for the owner of the shoe and she knows it's hers. So she steals it. And then she gets caught. She, yeah. She gets brought before she the gets magistrate. Caught, and then he says, she says, no, it's mine. And she produces the other. And he says, you are my wife. And he takes her away. Her stepsister, in this version, her stepsisters and her stepmother uh, continue to live in a cave until they're killed by falling rocks. The end. <laughs> That's a very charming story. Yes, well, in China, it's a... Now, this story goes story. all over the place. I mean, really, this is a story so common to humankind that every single, without exception, 
civilization mm-hmm. that is or has been has a version of this story. Of this story. And it's not always, it's, in fact, it's not rags to riches. No. Sometimes it's riches to rags to riches. Mm-hmm. So many common themes run through here. Animal assistance is a big theme. Assistance from dead bones of some kind of, right. are another very common thing. The shoe material. I mean, there's anything imaginable from, you know, glass, mm-hmm. famous. Um, Depending to, on the cultures of yeah, the countries that... To that, gold. And, and we will, on our website, put you link you up with, to a pretty amazing list of versions from around the world and across time. And you can just sit there. It's not a long story. Right. So you can just sit there literally reading every single version, which is kind of interesting to pick, compare and contrast and it on is, your own. Yeah. It's kind you of, have time for it. Yeah, no way. <laughs> There's the, upwards of 1500 versions, depending on the source that you, you know, but right. there are really about 1500 different discrete versions of this story. It is such a popular folktale that there's a there's a classification system of folktales and, and fairy tales called the Arne Thompson classification, kind of like the Dewey Decimal System of folktales. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for the Cinderella persecuted heroine story, there is a separate category just for those stories. It's called 510A. 510A. Persecuted heroine. Yes. Although... There's yes. so many other categories it could fall into, like magical creatures, animals that talk. I think it's got them all. All the elements you could want. What's interesting to me is if you read them all in a line, there's themes that like skip in Korea. Mm-hmm. The story, I, I'm sorry, I don't, her name is Pearl Blossom, something mm-hmm. very floral. Mm-hmm. Uh, her stepmother, to be mean, to like delay going to the ball or whatever for this particular Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Her stepmother decides, oh, ho, I'm going to mix the lentils out of this basket with a bunch of dirt and stones and ashes from the fire. The fire. fire. And then, uh, yeah, (laughs) go ahead and pick all those lentils out. And then then when you have time, if you finish that, you you can can go to the ball. And of course, you know, no way is that going to happen. Lentils are extremely small. And so who helps her? All the birds. And instead of eating them, like normal Normal birds, birds. (laughs) they went ahead and sorted it for her. Quite amazing. And so then the stepmother's like, okay, now uh, I think I need you to weed the rice paddy. Mm -hmm. And along comes a magical (laughs) ox. And it's funny because there's birds Mm -hmm. and there's oxen in this story, which is about the same just a little lighter than the <laughs> Chinese story. But what's funny about that is there's a split off. There's a whole bunch of bird assistants. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a whole bunch of cow assistants. Mm-hmm. But never Which, the twain shall meet. No. <laughs> it's so strange. The Scottish story refers to a red calf. Well, and it's probably like, oh, well, I don't have koi fish in a pond That's in my right. garden. So why we have a magical fish? We don't. We have to have a red calf because every house has cows cow. in the yard. Yeah, that makes more sense. It does make sense. My favorite so far of all the Cinderella stories. Now, pardon my pronunciation. I have found that as if I were an opera singer and had to learn a lot of different languages. I have to bluff my way through a lot of foreign words on this podcast. And so I have decided that to speak Italian properly, one must wave one's hand and speak loudly. And I will verify to the hand waving. And there you go. So, yes. So in 16... There goes your hand. No. Oh. In 1634, this is my favorite version. I don't, I can't put my finger on it. It's just got all the ingredients. In 1634, in a book of tales called the Pentamerone, um, there is a story called Cat Cinderella. And a man named Jean-Baptiste Basile. Did I get it? Yes, the hand went the really hand high. Went, my hand went really high. He wrote a story about a woman named Zizola. Now, Zizola 
was involved in some some matricide, frankly. <laughs> real That's mother, a delicate way to put that. Yeah, real mother had died. Mm-hmm. Um, as was so common in every year before 1900. <laughs> I mean, really, if you made it through childbearing yeah. years, well, you were home and dry, but really. So Zuzola um, hates her stepmother, and she has a governess, so you know she's a wealthy young woman. Just hates her stepmother. Oh, oh, I wish, she says to her governors, that you were my little mother instead of that horrible person. Or the governess has some strategy, and she decides, well, you know, your father can't refuse you anything. Mm-hmm. So next time, you know, you're sitting on his lap in front of the fire and he's talking to you, why don't you put forth my case as, uh, you know, his new wife? And there's, a, you know, an obstacle, mm-hmm. says Zola in Italian. So, uh, no, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> um, so anyway, she says, why don't you tell your father you want some of your mother's old dresses out of a trunk? Okay. Her fancy dresses, now that you're growing into a woman. And he won't refuse you those dresses. And then when your stepmother is ordered to go get them from the trunk, when her head is in there looking, you slam the trunk lid down on her neck. And then I will help mm-hmm. you be astonished that that ever mm-hmm. happened. <laughs> okay, so that happened. Yeah. So Zola kills her stepmother. Yikes. So I don't know. I guess that's gumption, <laughs> but still, she's not passively waiting around. I will tell you. She's not just being a humble servant Yikes. and doing, being a good person and singing with the birds. So the stepmother gets, or the governess gets married. So now we've got stepmother number two, who's nice for about a week. Mm-hmm. And then who does she produce? As if. Out of her back pocket, six fully grown daughters of her own. <laughs> what? Okay. Bait and switch. A total bait and switch. And so, bumbling doofus dad, another common theme, <laughs> um, starts to favor these these women, uh, these six daughters, kind of over his own. You know, domestic management was often left to the wives completely, mm-hmm. including management of the daughters. I guess it was cultural. But anyway, she was left to the mercy of this stepmother. So he goes off on a business trip and asks everybody, okay, daughters of mine, what would you like? And everybody's like, I want a tiara. I want cloth of gold. I want, you know, blah. I want, I want, I want jewels and this and that. And as an afterthought, he asks his little daughter, his actual real daughter, Zola, what she wants. And she says she doesn't want anything, but she wants him to stop by the, the Grotto of the Fairies. Ooh. Which is super cool. That everyone's like, okay, I'll Did stop there. Did she want there. a snow globe from there? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but is that strange? It's yeah. Like, she goes, stop uh-huh. by the Grotto of the Fairies. Okay, A, there nobody bats an eye. Yeah, because everyone knows about everyone the Grotto of the Fairies. where it is. I want to know where it is. <laughs> Me too. And so she says, ask for a gift from the Queen of the Fairies. And if you do not, you will not be able to go forward or back until you remember my request. Oh. So Zola has got some power over the spiritual world that we, I'm like, she could have fixed her whole situation, mm-hmm. I guess. But anyway, he goes and he buys the tears and the cloth of gold and all this stuff. And of course, what does he do? He forgets to mess with the thing with poor Zola. Because oh, he's just a man. Peace work. Yeah. So he probably on- didn't have a list. So he goes to the Grotto of the Fairies, finally, only after his ship won't go. And the captain of the ship is despairing. Oh, no. You know, the, the food that's on here is spoiling. We, The sailors are getting restless. Why can't we leave? Everyone else is leaving. The wind is with us. And the captain, unrelated to anyone in the story, has a dream that his passenger is at fault. This is the reason mm-hmm. that ship's not leaving. And sailors are very superstitious oh, yes. anyway. And so he makes the dad leave. And he goes, you go to the Grotto of the Fairies and knock this off because we need to get out of here. And so dad is forced by circumstance to go and 
asks the queen of the fairies. And she gives the dad a date tree to plant. Now, trees, trees. magical trees, mm-hmm. another theme comes out. It is in a this lot of versions. This story has so many cool things in it. <laughs> so, so Zizola plants that on her mother's grave. So there's the bone slash real mother assistance right. again. And the magical tree gives her the fancy dresses to go to this ball, the ball mm-hmm. that always happens. From now on, you've got a, you got a ball. Increasingly fancier clothes appear until at the end, um, she is... Taken by the prince and married. I don't know what happens to the sisters in this story. <laughs> might be worth clearly not. Up. Yeah, might, yeah. But here's what's cool about this story: 1634 is the first mention that I can find about pumpkin. But um, one source mentions that the very third time that Zola went to the ball, um, instead of the magical tree just dropping off the dress, what <laughs> happened was like women came out with curling papers and rouge and mm-hmm. fancy dresses mm-hmm. and pins. Like, she had a fully uh, a staff. A- accessorized staff that just popped out of this tree just- and began to work upon <laughs> okay, her. That's a cool tree. That is a cool tree. <laughs> that's a much more valuable tree than other trees. But um, one source mentions that one major thing that these women, these maid maid servants brought out was pumpkin water. Aha! And I thought, what is pumpkin water? And it's an anti-inflammatory. It's to take all the redness out of your complexion and make you look all nice. Puffy eyes probably would go away, too. Um, So that is the first mention of pumpkins, Mm -hmm. which had come from the New World. And this is like the age of discovery, and pumpkins are from the Americas. And so, you know, like potatoes. Right. I mean, what's Ireland without potatoes? Uh, But they didn't have them before the New World. What's Italy without tomatoes? But they didn't have them before the New World. So now we go into the version that we all know well from our childhoods, most likely. Right. It would be the Charles Perrault version, and that was written in 1697. And this is the Little Glass Slipper. And in French, it is... Cendrillon. Oh, thank you. That was very good. There was no hand involved because it was French. Uh, so let's place the, the little glass slipper because that's the version that we all really know. So let's place that in history. In 1697, Isaac Newton was brainiac it up all over England. This is uh, just a couple of years after the Salem witch trials ended, although there were some other witch trials going on in the colonies. The Trinity Church Cemetery in New York City was established, a To forever be misquoted, quote, was written William Congreve. He wrote, music has charms to soothe a savage breast, not beast. So that all was happening in 1697. Should we discuss a little bit about Charles Perrault? Because he is, uh, he has quite a few accomplishments in the folktale, fairy tale world. Um, He was originally a Christian based poet and he did write some adult material, not, not adult XXX, just grown up material. He did write, he's best known for his folk tales. He wrote Sleeping Beauty, Puss in Boots, Little Red Riding Hood, uh, Little Tom Thumb, and of course, uh, The Little Glass Slipper, among others. Now, I just want to give a shout out to this website, Sir La Lune, which is just a beautiful site. I mean, it is a very detailed website devoted to fairy tales. 
you can read many fairy tale stories, many versions of the stories, and there's a whole section devoted to Charles Perrault and his Cinderella as well as his other stories. Um, and there's also, and <laughs> I don't know if you figured it out by now, I am totally into the subcultures of people. And it took me quite some time to find a Cinderella subculture. I know you're out there, and if you are, please drop us a line because we can, you know, we can link some people up to you. But on Sur La Lune, there is a very active message board. And while it isn't entirely devoted to Cinderella, it is entirely devoted to fairy tale discussions and, and their history and, and their meaning and their meanings behind them and it mm-hmm. it's it's a fairly active message board so um if this is your thing seek out sir la loon because it's really you're going to get a lot of information a lot of images a lot of um and <laughs> that's where you can buy fairy godmother t-shirts <laughs> but uh it, it's 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 a cool site anyway okay so in the charles perot version um while it is not the very first mention of the pumpkin as you just told us that was in italy um it is a, the fairy godmother the animal friends and the glass slipper appears glass slippers yeah that was kind of a conceit of charles perot actually there there is a rumor going around not actively. <laughs> there is a um, relatively famous misconception that what Charles Perrault really meant was ver, which is fur, squirrel fur, mm-hmm. actually. Instead of, it's V-A-I-R is squirrel fur, mm-hmm. and V-E-R-R-E is glass. Now, it, most historians now dismiss that as non-factual, mm-hmm. and that he just really meant glass. Like the most impractical, yeah. perfect ridiculous thing you could make a slipper out of because gold over it so yeah. done every all cinderella's happy gold slipper what's more fancy than gold well and also there was this little fad around then for amber shoes amber the made stone. of amber so maybe um he was thinking of those kind of shoes not common but i mean mm-hmm. they existed shoes yeah. carved out of amber mm-hmm. and that could have possibly given rise to the glass, glass slipper. They sure. were translucent. If and you can do it with a rock, you can do it with a glass. Yeah, and Hunky fragile. Glass. And they Whoa, probably smelled shoe. really good, those shoes. Smelled? Well, because it's tree sap. Oh, I thought you were talking about the glass ones. Oh. And I am personally thinking you're going to be sliding around on all your sweat. Yeah, that's <laughs> no good. You have to be a very special princess to be able to wear glass slippers. And I'm imagining you're not walking any place. No. For you're real. dancing. You dance with the prince. Well, in the Perover, that's true. I know. That um, I in without the, cracking your slipper and getting a big wad of glass up your foot. Um, so the um, in this version, the Perot version, the stepsisters can't fit into the shoe, and so they're, like, mad and, like, accidental purposefully breaking mm-hmm. the slipper, thinking, well, that's the end of it. Yeah. Because she's the last house, as far as I know. And they're like, well, then, so much for that. Well, Cinderella has the other one, right. of course. We forget stepsisters yeah with no brains that she had two right so she produces the other one and therefore that is her passport to mm-hmm. hello i'm right. oh i like that passport yeah passport to happily hello. ever after now um now the thing i don't like about this version though it is okay. all kind of passive she is mm-hmm. acted upon at every mm-hmm. at every and you know it translates to the later movie, too. Everything happens to her. She doesn't act upon anything. Well, she does have to. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I, I agree with you. But she has to act. She has to act. She has to believe in the fairy godmother. She has to be- 
believe that she has what it takes to go to the ball. She has to stand up to her stepsisters at the end and say, I think that she's mine because here it is. But she doesn't really stand up to them because in the Perot version, she actually gets them good husbands. Well, noble husbands. She's kind. But you know. Cinderella. But wait a minute. There might be a darker force at work. Oh, really? Because in previous podcasts, we mentioned that getting a noble husband may not be all it's cracked (laughs) up to be. It is like That's very true. <laughs> the meanest, most horrible, stinky, yeah. no bath taken yeah. psycho that's 50 years older than you could very well be the noble husband yes. Cinderella got for her sisters. Here's a noble husband. Oh, good, Eddie. <laughs> but at least you're a countess. Yes. Count your blessings, in fact. That's what's important to you. Yeah, so maybe. But anyway, yeah, the, the bad guys don't get really punished, and you know, unless there's a secret punishment we don't know about. But the bad guys don't get punished in this one, and... Cinderella just swans around like people gave her this, people gave her that. I the see. things appear. Yeah, okay. I don't know. She I just seems to. I think your seventies feminist is peeking through. No. Which honest, honestly, mine did because when we sat down and said let's do Cinderella, I was like, oh, and I said what you did. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, Cinderella. That's she just stumbles into it. She's just doing what she's pa- passive. But I don't know. After reading all the versions that we read, I. Not sure. There is actually something else I, that I had stumbled stumbled upon, although intentionally. Um, it is a website. It's called folkstory.com. And there's an article that's written by Jonathan Young. And while it is a review of the movie Ever After, which we'll talk about the whole movie versions later, um, it also gives a really good profile of the story in general. And it looks at the um, symbols and the psychology of the tale. It, it For instance, from the from the site, you can find Jonathan Young writes, this reward, the reward at the end, signifies the rich inner life that is a result of all of our diligent seeking. In the Cinderella story, she gets a husband, but it's not the prince that the prince rescues her. She solves her own problems, even in the classic version. The psychology of the story involves an inner shift away from inadequacies to a stronger identity. All versions of the tale include this essential in- information symbolically the prince is her missing half finding the inner prince or princess is claiming whatever part of ourselves we did not previously acknowledge so that's just an i mean i'm not a psychologist by any stretch of the imagination so i just think of it a little bit differently um kind of kind of morphed it in my head i guess well i viewed it i'm still i'm still thinking yes for every version except the Charles Perrault version. <laughs> well, he was, you know, he was running with the, the fancy pack. His brother uh-huh. was the architect of the Louvre. Oh. These are some fancy people. Yeah, they are. And I think the sensibilities were a little, di- you know, this is not an earthy tale, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only dirt is the, the ashes in the perfectly respectable kitchen. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Yes, yes. But um, she's not a slave. No. No. Or, you know, reduced to asking Bones for help, which probably would have been completely like, you know. Fish bones at that. Yeah. Yeah. No way are French people going to, like, worship Bones in your backyard. Well, although, Although. in the cathedrals, perhaps they did. Oh. But not fish bones. Oh, very interesting. Yes. Oh. Clever. I like the way your mind works, yes. How did the bones disappear then? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I just thought of that. Well, okay, I guess what I like a little better is the the German, the Brothers Grimm Mm -hmm. version more aptly named human beings i cannot I tell no you 
Every one of their fairy tales from Hansel and Gretel. Oh, to my Emmy. kids would not let they they like heard Hansel and Gretel and they ran screaming from the room. They could not stand. It. Don't do Hansel and Gretel, Mom. Yeah, I yeah. Have to, I have to take down some of the violencia. Mm-hmm. There's another Italian word. Oh, for that's you. yes, very good. Your hand went. Yeah. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, it did not really. <laughs> um, but what I like, it's called Aschenputtel. Aschenputtel, which means Ash Girl. Mm-hmm. And in that one, um, the sisters get punished because they think they're being all sly to get in the shoe they decide oh, okay i'm gonna cut off my toe yeah brilliant all the shoes are real little mm-hmm. like it's important to to note that especially the chinese version the shoe yes. is so small who fits this shoe right so in china know. small feet yeah but it goes all through i mean right. all of them small yeah. feet small equal. feet good so the grim version they cut off their toe to fit mm-hmm. in the shoe and the king's man goes okay well Great. Okay, let's go. You must be the one. And then the birds, who've been helping Ash Girl all this time, are like, no, no, check the blood. There's blood all over the shoe. Yeah, there's blood all over the shoe. Oh, you're not the one. And, like, they toss her aside, and they go to the second sister who cuts off her heel to get in the shoe. Oh, you must be the one. The birds are like, no, no. You know, the birds out the bad behavior. It's quite awesome. And in this version... Now I want a bird. I know. I don't know if we want to hang out. I wanted a magical tree. Now I want a bird. Well, there is a magical tree in Aschenputtel mm-hmm. also. There's no pumpkin coach or anything. Right. Um, and they don't refer to the prince as a prince because in Germanic countries, a prince is not a higher rank. Like we know from Marie Antoinette's family, they would be archdukes, would mm-hmm. be higher than princes. Mm-hmm. So a prince is not who you want. And so they refer to him only as a king's son. Ah, They do not refer to mm-hmm. prince, which isn't a very right. high title there. And there is a tree spirit. But um, anyway, on the way, after she gets married... Here come the suck-up sisters. (laughs) You know, and they sit on either side of her in the fancy carriage, and the birds come along, and they pluck out the right eye of the right-hand sister and the left eye of the left-hand sister. Well, that's not good. Uh And then on the way back, they're like, well, I'd like to see. So they switch sides, and the birds come back. (laughs) Bong, bong. (laughs) Au revoir, sight of sisters. Uh So they'd get their due. They get no fancy husbands. They just get no eyeballs. No eyeballs. From the birds. And hacked up feet. So can you see why perhaps they didn't make a movie out of that? No. (laughs) Well, they probably could, but certainly wouldn't make a fine Disney cartoon Not a G-rated. But I like that one, too. So here I am liking these, like, I know, the Italian Italian ones. Uh, and I like the yeah. gory versions where I'm giving a little whistle. <laughs> I know. You said you weren't going to sing. I know. I did. I did. I put it. I know. I'm Sorry. not taking that out either. Oh. <laughs> I'll parse another sentence, please. Anything. <laughs> so I guess what I, um yeah. So I'm still in the anti-Perot uh, camp. Just, I mean, even the king didn't come himself. Uh, yeah. In the Perot version, the king sent dudes. Hey, go find out what happened to this slipper and come back. Just go find the chick and bring her back. He didn't even go himself. <laughs> okay. So he sits in the so castle. So you go read these versions yourself, and you come back, and you tell us. So is there anything, um, any other website that you like to talk about? I have one that's super cool and has um, not so much to do with Cinderella, but, but how cool is this? And what? I'll put this in the links. Headoverheelshistory.com is the history of shoes. And it goes from ancient times. With, yes. I mean, there's photos, there's drawings, there's, um, like, they take portraits and they, like, isolate the foot, mm-hmm. say, in, yes. the, in the portrait right. and talk about the shoes and what they mean in the society. And uh-huh. Super cool. Love. Doesn't Love. really mention Cinderella, but um, it doesn't matter because you can actually, you know, read your fairy tale, go over to heels over, head over heels history mm-hmm. and find your shoe in question so you can get a picture of what it looked like. 
for I love anything that. for any time. Yeah. Okay. To, well, up to the sixties, I want to say. I don't know oh. if it goes much further. That is an interesting site. We should definitely put that on the blog. Mm-hmm. Girl. I love that. I do yeah. want to. Um, yeah, I want to echo the Sir La Lune thing, and that's not just the Cinderella site, the Cinderella um, message board, and the Cinderella page. Um, pages, because they talk about several different versions, are the most visited on Sir La Lune. They're tracking their pages in. Mm-hmm. Those are the most by right. far visited. It right. still resonates with people. There is an app, there's a version on the Sir La Lune site that is an annotated version of, and it uses the Perot story, and there's certain words that are highlighted. So you can click on them and find out, for instance, that because Cinderella's father was a gentleman, she could marry into nobility. And it, you can just keep clicking through this, the whole story and find what the, the symbols mean and um, just a little bo- bit more detail on, on the story, which that's, on again, on Sir La Lune. There are infinite amount of adaptations. Oh, there's so um, many. With movies um, and also books, derivative works. And there is, and again, another link for you, there is actually a website which is a bibliography of Cinderella stories. There's a drop-down menu, and you can say if you want a children's version or, or what kind of is television, theater, ballet, opera, mm-hmm. whatever version you want. And there, it's it's detailed. I mean, it's not light reading by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a, a bibliography of the Cinderella stories. And that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's mind blowing actually. Yeah. That is definitely a site for further research. If, if this interests you at all, just, just the amount of things that you can learn about each culture mm-hmm. just by comparing its version of the Cinderella sure. story. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's almost like in economics, they have this thing called the big Mac indicator or uh-huh, whatever uh-huh. and they use the price of a big mac as as a like level indicator of things right. happening in other countries like how much is this dollar really worth well how right. much does the big mac cost i think that the cinderella story is like the big mac indicator oh, of that's interesting culture yes. i think that's coin that quick <laughs> <laughs> by the, the website cinderella indicator <laughs> that is yeah Okay, let's talk about the movie versions, because we have all, that's how we know it, mostly. And the first movie version that we really need to pay some attention to is the Disney version. That's the 1950 Disney version, the animated version of um, Cinderella. It's the first one I saw. Yeah, I think me too. And it's, it's... Beloved. It's clearly based on Charles Perrault, though. Absolutely. Yeah, it's um the kinder, gentler version. You can see why Walt Disney wouldn't want any of the darker elements in no. his nice little pastel animated movie. That's right. And this was a make-or-break moment for Disney in, in this movie, because if he this movie did not do well, that was it. Yeah. he we There would never be the grand empire we see today. <laughs> there would never be the cheesier versions that are filtering through... <laughs> At this day and age, but we'll get to those later. Well, here's the thing Let's, about the Cinderella's castle, the most this Dis- the, in the striking, Disney yeah, yeah, the Disney castle. In the, at the park. At the park. In the logo, the most recognizable symbol, aside from Mickey Mouse of Disneyland, That's Disney right. World. Um, okay, the castle, the designer of the castle, based it on three castles in the Loire Valley in France. There's Chenonceau, 
which was known as the women's castle. You know, wives, sisters of, of kings often, I mean, it was run by women or women's households, royal women's households for a long time. Chambord is another castle that he based it on. Yes. Also a very popular liqueur. And then Chaumont uh, is, is another one. So if you were, and I'll put the spelling, you know, who knows, with French spelling, all of the continents disappear. So <laughs> I will put, um, at least I'll put the names up so that you can look at these. They are clearly, definitely mm-hmm. based, you right. know, the castle's you based on see, these. Right. You've got, you know, the towers, the blue colored roofs, mm-hmm. um, just the stone, everything. So you can clearly see where he got those ideas. Um, now, these are all in France, but... If you're interested in castles of great cupcakery appearance, <laughs> there is which I kind of like my castles cupcakery. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is clearly. Um, here's a castle not to miss. Also, another spelling I'm going to have to put up: Neuschwanstein Castle. You are going to have to see it to believe it. Everything possible was thrown at this castle, <laughs> design-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy went completely crazy. Um, I believe his name was Mad King Ludwig. I got, I got mad a, would tip you off. <laughs> got a, well, and his family had to imprison him at the end because he was spending so much money. I was going to say, were they spending so much money on the castle? Fantasy on... castles that the sons and and heirs were like, um, we're not going to have any money to run this country. And he, you know, he came to a bad end. But it doesn't matter. Just Google the castle and take the tour on the website. Um, it is just amazing. So if you like castles, those and are some doesn't? for you. If you if you can't make it to Disneyland, <laughs> head over to the Loire Valley. Yeah, that's not very logical, is it? No, but let's bring it back to the movie. <laughs> Did you see it on Wonderful Wonderful ugh, World Wonderful of World of Disney mm-hmm. as a child? It was mm-hmm. Sunday nights. That was like we didn't have the channels back then, so it was that was it. That was our Saturday mornings and Sunday night Wonderful World of Disney. I was going to say I think it was a night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we we had to get dinner done and take our baths and in our pajamas and then we could watch it that's a good memory it was a a nice transition from weekend to i like how cheerful the birds end up in this one oh yes they're very as opposed to even the mice (laughs) (laughs) they're all very cute nobody's pecking anybody's eyeballs out in the disney version no (laughs) and nobody's toes are getting chopped Mm -hmm. off they just drizella and anastasia (gasps) are the stepsisters really yes oh that's nice they, uh, How do you know that? I don't know. I don't know, but Zazola had some her <laughs> six sisters oh. had some names. I didn't. I didn't commit those to memory. I'll mm-hmm. have to put that on the website. But their names are something else too. I'll have to put those on there. We'll find it. So on IMDb, Susan found a goofs section. There is a and there's a extensive goofs section on IMBD um, about about this movie like when uh, Cinderella and the prince are getting married she wears a long sleeve wedding gown and afterwards when we see them in the back of the carriage her gown has puffy sleeves kooky I know I just that's pretty interesting and there's a whole uh incorrectly regarded goose regarding some the roman numerals on the clock which it pays is a key feat figure in the movie but um they were called to task because they weren't correct but um apparently for the time that was roman numerals have changed yeah so what um so on the clock there's four i's so instead of being iv right the way that you would think would be for today it was actually (laughs) i i i i and that was the correct usage even as recently as the 50s but now it's iv iv right huh I know. Interesting. You would think Roman numerals would be consistent through, yeah. <laughs> through time. <laughs> oh, okay. 
the animated version was in 1950, followed fairly quickly in the 1955 version of the Glass Slipper with Leslie Caron. That was a that was a fast one, but not nearly as fast as the 1957 version with Julie Andrews, which was the Rodgers and Hammerstein version. Um, and it actually was live on television in 1957. <laughs> and you know what struck me? This was television at the time. Oh, I mean, yeah. it wasn't pre-recorded. We didn't get reruns like in Back to the Future. What's a rerun? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, you know what struck me about this? You know that that movie from way, 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 way later? Um, the Princess Diaries? Yes. I did not know that she was she... in the original. Yes. Or one of the original mm-hmm. Cinderella's. So that's like a little irony uh-huh. She's and now... then she gets to play the queen in the Princess Diaries with Anne Hathaway, That's funny. which is one of my daughter's favorite movies. That's the the only modern one I can watch. I think. How about Ella Enchanted? Never have also seen it. with Anne Hathaway. Um, it's it's a little it's a derivation of the hmm. Cinderella story. <gasps> what is that one where she pops out of the book? Enchanted. I don't know. I can't vouch for the quality of the movie. Oh, that, I can. I can totally. Well, that concept rocks. This will tell you in the future if if Susan likes a movie. <laughs> if you like this one, I did like Enchanted quite a bit. That's the version with Amy Adams and uh, I don't what's know. his name? He's he on has, Grey's Anatomy. Not oh, my department. Patrick Patrick Dempsey. Da, 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 da. Yeah, nice. He has good hair. Oh yeah, he's very charming and very lovable in this one and that. Another, yeah, Cinderella pops up, except she's not Cinderella. She pops into modern time out of the fairy book. And another one of my favorites is um, how Cinderella gets uh, to kick some booty in Shrek. Oh, yeah. I have to say Shrek is the Shrek. redemption of all of the, well, the possible exception of Sleeping Beauty, who who decides yeah. that, you know, oh, I'm going to lay down and wait for the prince. That's what I do. But everyone else, you know, gets ready to beat up they, some trees. They, they break stereotypes. So I like that. Yeah, that is Shrek. That's awesome. Anyway, so 57 with Julie Andrews, uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, and then followed, you know, quite a few years later in 1965 with another ver- television version with Leslie Ann Warren as Cinderella and Ginger Rogers as the queen. This is after Hammerstein had died and Ro- it was still the same score, but, um, Rogers kind of took, there's a few changes. And as part of my exhaustive research, there's also the Brandy version of Cinderella, which has Brandy <laughs> as Cinderella, Whoopi Goldberg as the queen, and Whitney Houston as a fairy godmother. And that was in 1997. Um, and <laughs> again, they use the score, the Rogers and Hammerstein score. What do you know? So you can actually, and I did this, go on YouTube and you can listen to all three versions of um the songs like but you can listen to the three the brandy version the julie andrews version and the leslie and warden version that's nice one right after another and it was very interesting and i have to say julie andrews was the better singer by far yeah i mean it's black and white it was 1957 television but it's still it's still yeah i know well, no, that's Maria. Cool. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's Julie Andrews. She's like it. It's very interesting, the number of versions of just of the movie. The, the same one. And, and, of course, you <laughs> morph that into, like, the 2004 version with Hilary Duff, of a very modern telling of the story. Or you don't. Or you don't. I don't okay. know. <laughs> <laughs> if you are in your right mind as an adult... 
to sit down and watch these. I, I don't know that it would appeal to you, but let's just say you're feverish and sick and stuck on the couch and you kind of fade in and out of things and you need an easy storyline and some color. It's very colorful. It's a sweet story. And the price is right. It's just not appealing to it's, you. Right. <laughs> these are good. There's the, <laughs> there's the 2004 Hillary Duff version. And then there is the 2008, another Cinderella story with Selena Gomez, who is an, young actress with Disney. She's in Wizards of Waverly Place. And if you have tweens or teens in your house, they probably know what it is. My particular teen <laughs> calls Selena Gomez the goddess of acting. Well, there you go. So, this is her particular favorite version. Um, Selena is a dancer and she's the wicked stepmother. And Nice. Yeah. So it's, it's just an interesting um, version. And there is another version of it. Um, it's, it's a book. Uh, that was written last year, and I want to say the author's name was Melinda Lowe, and the book is called Ash, Melinda Lowe, L-O, and it takes a twist, it's a young adult novel, and it's a lesbian twist on the Cinderella story. Hmm. So there's versions out there. That's just one more indicator that it go like every culture has their own Cinderella story. Mm -hmm. Did you talk about Ever After? I did not talk about Ever After. Yeah. We should talk about Ever After because we are of two opposing. Well, I don't know that I'm hating on Ever After. I actually think Ever After is kind of a little close to, I think it makes a lot of reference to the Italian, once you know oh, the Italian mm -hmm, story, mm -hmm. in this story, unlike many other stories, there's no mother that appears, or does she? Because she uses her mother's name mm -hmm. to gain entree into the court. Right. She goes and gets her mother's dress. Right. Now, that's part of the Italian. Now, she does not, unfortunately, whack Angelica Houston with the <laughs> lid of the <laughs> trunk. No. But there is, like, you gather your mother's things to become noble. Right. And the thing about this that's more clear than any other Cinderella story that I know that I kind of liked about Ever After not like a big fan of the movie, but there are things mm -hmm. that I liked about it. I like the fact that when she puts on the fancy dress, mm -hmm. that's all you need, which is kind of interesting. Oh. That's her passport. Like, yeah. she's running. And if she were running in her regular old clothes, right. girl would not have gotten near that castle. No. But she's got this fancy dress on. And the wings. And she's running. And they assume, <laughs> oh, she's late for the queen. And right. they let her right in. Right. So it's interesting to see... And the Leonardo da Vinci as fairy god. As fairy godmother. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, that was a very interesting... Yeah, I thought visually... I I happen to like this movie. I've seen it several times. I think visually it's a it's a beautiful story. I like the spunk. Yeah. And you have um, mentioned that you've got a profile of the story and a, um, and a review of yes. that by Jonathan Young on FolkStory.com. Right, FolkStory.com. Yeah, that is a... And it's really more of a profile of the story that, that he just uses that as a basis for his profiling <laughs> of Cinderella. So that's it. Everything you thought you knew but didn't know about the history of Cinderella. There's a lot. There is a lot. It's a lot more than I thought when we first and started off. on this one, more than any other one that we have done, I would encourage you to do some digging and read some other versions and... Draw your own conclusions about how the Cinderella stories relate to the cultures that they come from. Because really, you can pick any culture mm -hmm. and find the Cinderella story. Your own culture, you know, look yeah. back in. And, and in your own life. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, the Cinderella story 
you know, as young girls, we always think, oh, someday my prince will come, you know. And that's the song, but that's not really the majority of no. how they are. <laughs> no, but. It's about taking charge of your mm-hmm. destiny. It's about right. making things happen instead of allowing them to happen to you. Well, for the most part. And landing where you're supposed to land. Striving for better things. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I think Cinderella is very modern and you can, you can see her many ways, but we actually think that she is an important Fictional, though based perhaps on a real person. Um, We told you there'd be some fictional ones. But we think she's important throughout history, just for being a mirror. A looking Looking glass. And so we circle back around. (laughs) Um, So next time, here's the clue for next time. Um, We are going to talk about a woman who was once quoted as saying she found her hens and chickens far better company than any of the nobility she ever met at the court of St. James. Hmm. So who could it be? Thank you so much for tuning in. I would like, before we go, to read a couple of five-star reviews. I cannot tell you how much these touch us. Oh. So here's one from Day Goes By called My Cup of Tea. I love this new podcast. I love that you chat over each other sometimes and keep it totally informal. Well, we really appreciate that because that's how we are. <laughs> yeah. If I wanted to listen to something all planned out and perfectly timed, I'd get an audiobook. This is way, way more fun. Well, thank you, Day Goes By, because we think so, too. Yes, that's exactly we what we thought so we would do. Too. Like this, talking over each other. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, another one just simply from Carolyn or Caroline, I'm sorry, I don't know, Fisher, that's called Awesome. These ladies have a talent for making history interesting. A history teacher could use these for a day of rest in class. <gasps> Good oh. tidbits, facts, and fun. Now, there's a part of the Marie Antoinette one you may want to, to yes. cut. <laughs> <laughs> I did have some homeschooling friends who were like, oh, my kid, my homeschool, I'm going to play this for my my kids. And I was like, okay, just so you know, we do talk a little bit about, um, you know, SEX in that one. So. Yeah. So we thank you for those. We really appreciate all the feedback. I love all the comments on the site. We um, we do respond. We read them all. And um, we are taking note of your suggestions. Every time someone suggested, we add the vote to the master list. And so that will help construct the rest of our season. For, that's true. And uh, please visit the site, thehistorychicks.com. And after every podcast, we do put up show notes, which outlines what we discussed, as well as all the links that we say that we're going to put up and, and images that will just help round out your information and get you started on your own quest to find your own information out about whoever we're talking about, in this case, Cinderella. And then in addition, the special features tab, is very important. We add new things almost every day um, for the woman in question. Um, just things we didn't talk about in the podcast that that we think are neat. Things yes. that could spark a whole other direction of thought. So um, anyway, do check that out. We're particularly proud of that aspect of and our website. That's thehistorychicks.com. Email us at chicks at thehistorychicks.com. Friend us on Facebook. At the History Chicks. The History Chicks. The History Chicks. And follow us on Twitter. At the History Chicks with an, with X. an X. The music in our podcast comes courtesy of Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com. <laughs>